before we get into the message uh, this morning, uh, I want to I share something that uh, I've been testing out for the last couple of days. I saw it on social media. People keep putting up this, if you know what a meme is on the social media, they keep putting up this thing that keeps saying, all it says is, January was a long year. I'm so glad February's here. <laughs> Think about what it's saying. And uh, for, for, uh, that's kind of the way I've been feeling with, with things that are going on with y'all and, and the things that the church has been going through since, since really since Christmas, since we, we, some of us got sick over Christmas and we couldn't come in together for Christmas Day. And, and then we lost our, 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 our dear Lisa together and uh, we've kind of been dealing with that. And it's just been, it's, it's only February, y'all. <laughs> you know, and, we, and so we're going to pray that the Lord continues to give us what we need to move forward and continue to do well in what we do. And uh, that uh, he will have his way in our hearts. Uh, so uh, turn to Hebrews chapter 13. We're going to pick out a, a, a couple different pieces of scripture this morning to finish up talking about church leadership and talking about what scripture says about those things and how we can uh, uh, learn some things or be reminded of some things that are important to us. First, we talked about the word of God. Uh, and how it describes the importance of needing leadership and the importance of leadership being in place around the world throughout the congregations. And that was in, uh, pro we, we looked in Proverbs a little bit back then. And then we talked about how transitions are inevitable throughout congregations around the world. Things change. And sometimes they're good and sometimes we don't like them. And sometimes it's uh, nothing you can do about it. And we talked about Ecclesiastes chapter 3 in that particular message and then we talked about Titus. We looked into Titus and learned that there's qualifications for leaders. And we learned that God is the one who qualifies those men and calls those men. And we should seek the Lord's will in those things. And then last week we talked about the preacher's role and his main responsibility, keeping the main thing the main thing, and, and that is to preach the gospel. And uh, that was First Timothy and a little bit of Second Timothy. So just be in prayer about all of those things. Today we're going to talk about the role, the congregation's role and leadership. If, and some people might think, well, what role do I have as a, as a church member in, lead, in, in leadership of the church? Uh, well, the, the, the congregation, we do have some responsibilities as a church body, as, as members of the body of Christ and members of congregations around the world. We do have some responsibilities that we need to seek and learn from. So first Hebrews chapter 13, let's read uh, uh, verses 15 and 17. Uh, 16 also it says this in 15 Hebrews chapter 13 through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name and do not neglect doing good and and sharing for which uh, for which such sacrifices sacrifices God is pleased and in verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as, they, as those who will give an account. Uh, let them do this with joy and, do not, and not with grief, for this would, uh, not be, or this would be unpro unprofitable for you. Okay, so that's kind of where we're going to focus a little bit this morning and discuss a little bit of what that's telling us and what that might be teaching us. I hope this is an encouraging message to all of us, and I, I, I for one, believe that the people in this particular congregation uh, pretty much understand what this is about, because y'all have been good at uh, helping your leaders and, and encouraging your leaders and praying for your leaders, 
So this is hopefully just some more reminder for us. So what does it mean to appreciate a leader? Right? Because the, the scripture is teaching us to appreciate your leaders. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians also and discuss that a little bit. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instructions. The word appreciate is um, really a word that means to take notice of or recognize something or someone. If you say you appreciate a person, it means I see you and I recognize you. But usually when we say we appreciate something or someone, there's a specific reason for that. And to appreciate something is not only to recognize the person or recognize something about the person, in this particular case, uh, namely the calling of the leaders and the function of the leaders that God has uh, called them to, but we offer a spirit of cooperation for their effort, efforts. We pray for them. We encourage them. We follow them. That's what leaders do. They lead, and there has to be people who would follow. Yeah? I mean, that's, I mean another word that comes to mind is submit, right? Which, in verse 17 of chapter 13 of Hebrews, it uses that word, obey your leaders and submit to them, which those are two words that many people don't like to hear because it's hard. It means we have to humble ourselves and follow someone or really follow the Lord. Because if, as we discussed in the past, these men, these leaders, these elders of a church are called to be those elders, and it would be submitting to what the Lord's doing, if that's the case. So we're cooperating because we are... We are depending on these leaders to seek the Lord's will for the church, seek the Lord's will for their responsibilities, right? And, and follow the word of God in what they do, teach the word of God, and encourage the believers to do the same. That's what church leaders do. They lead us in the word of God. They lead us in, in the Christian life. And they say to all of us, follow us as we follow Christ, just like Paul did, just like Peter did, just like John did, just like all of the disciples and apostles ahead of us. We're all just on the same journey. But God says we need leaders. And he says if you're, if you're going to have leaders, then you should submit to them. You should follow them. You should encourage them. You should appreciate them. So why? Why would we appreciate these leaders? Well, they're supposed to be leaders who are being diligent about their responsibilities, being diligent at shepherding the flock, being diligent about praying over the people in the church and caring for and teaching and leading and encouraging and providing everything needed so that the church can do what? Go into the world and make disciples. They're to be diligent about that. They're to be totally committed to their calling. They're supposed to be godly leaders and they're committed and diligent about their duties. They have charge over us. According to Scripture, they have authority over the congregation. We all know this. If you've been in a church long enough, you know. That's what the church leaders do. In verse 17, uh, if I'm at the right place, in verse 17 uh, of chapter 13, it says, Obey 
your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as these who will give account. That's a, that's a pretty good responsibility, as we've talked about in, in, other, in, in our other messages. That's a big responsibility, y'all. To, to have responsibility not only for your own growth and your own spiritual health, but for those around you in the church. Why wouldn't we pray for those men? Why, why wouldn't we encourage those men? Why wouldn't we get behind them and say, as long as you're with the Lord, I'm with you? Isn't that what they said to Moses? Of course, we all know they failed, <laughs> right? They said, hey, Moses, if you're with God, we'll go with you. And then they ended up leaving Egypt in a dramatic way. And it wasn't long after they got into the desert, they all failed in that commitment. They started off with good hearts. They started off with good intentions because they really did believe that if you're with God, then we're with you. And if the leaders of the church are with God, then why wouldn't we sub submit to their leadership? Because that really is submitting to God, isn't it? And what God is doing in the life of a congregation. Verse 7 of chapter th uh, 13, just a few verses previous to this, we can see where it says, Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. And earlier uh, in one of the previous sermons, I was talking about uh, how over the hundred or so years of the, this church's life, this congregation, God has been faithful in bringing men to lead the church in great ways. And those of you who knew those men, I hear you, I hear you tell the stories often about how good they were and how, how they did great things to make the church go. And this particular part of Scripture seems to be saying, consider their behavior. Consider how they followed the Lord. Consider what they did in their work for the, for, for, for the church. And, and do those things. Live like they did. Be committed like they were. Be diligent. You don't have to be a, 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 an official church leader to be diligent about your faith and about your commitment. Right, because we're supposed to be doing what the leaders are leading us to do. And the leaders are supposed to be leading us in the ways that we see that Jesus taught us to live in Scripture. So when it says to consider the, the result of their conduct, it's saying, watch these people. And if their conduct is in line with what Scripture describes, then you should do what they do. You should follow their faith. And you should encourage them. You should pray for them. You should submit and surrender and cooperate with their leadership. Seems pretty easy, doesn't it? So we go back to verse 17 again. Our appreciation towards the leaders will automatically cause us to fall into a place of obedience and submission to these leaders. Because we appreciate their efforts. We appreciate their their their. their 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 work and what they're trying to do because if they're godly leaders they are trying to pour into you what they're receiving from the word of god from god himself their efforts are to bless you and to bring you up in christ and to give you everything that you need to be successful in making disciples and loving god and loving people so then if, if we appreciate that 
then it makes it easier to ignore the, uh, the words submit and obey that people seem to want to knee-jerk reject. Which, hopefully, if we're growing Christians and we're growing spiritually, we don't have so many issues with obedience and submission when it comes to the ways of the Lord. That's what we're after, I would think. And if we have godly men who are called by God, qualified by God, and in position to lead, then we will be able to follow them and support them and encourage them and work together with them for the sake of the gospel in the community, and people will get saved. That's how it works. So when we obey our leaders and submit to them, Right? It says they, we do it because they, they have a responsibility. They're going to give an account for what's going on around here and how they deal with it. The, the, thing that, the thing that becomes troublesome to some, maybe not to anybody here, but to some, it says, let them do this with joy and not grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Now, the teaching was, seemed to be simple up until this point, non-abrasive, really. As, as, a, as a studier of the word, I'm looking at that, okay, well, this seems easy enough. This seems logical. And then it says, let them do this with joy and not grief. Okay, I'm still on board with you. But then when it says, this would, not, this would be unprofitable for you, that kind of hits me in a way where I'm like, what does that mean? What's, what, what are the consequences here? I don't, like, I don't like to see words, this would be unprofitable for you if you're not falling in line with this teaching and I don't it, first it sounds like a threat that's just my personal the way it hits me personally as we study the word but really it's it's not he's just saying more of what he's already said because these leaders these men these elders and and these and these leaders of the church they're they are called and and assigned a responsibility to give you the word of God, give you the truth, love you in a way that leads you in spiritual growth, as we've just discussed. And if they're not allowed to do that, then you won't get that. And if you're not being fed, it will not be profitable for you. you, you, you we can't grow if we're not being fed. If, if, if the leaders of a church are not allowed to do what God leads them to do, then we're losing out. We're missing out. The, the congregation would be missing out. If we look at verse 13 of chapter 5 in 1 Thessalonians, back, excuse me, back and forth a little bit, it says, and that, you, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. This word esteem or means to hold in high regard, which, which again, our congregation, since I've been around here, uh, I've noticed that uh, we understand this. We, we've, we've, we've been able to, we've been, this is just part of who we are. We always have our leadership in high regard in our hearts and in our minds. I've never seen anything different than that that I know of. But what does it mean to esteem someone in high regard? It really is, it's not so much about the man or the person as it is about the position that God assigns them to, right? Because after all, any person who's called to leadership is just a person. They're not any better than 
anyone else. They're just called to do something for God. And they are just as uh, susceptible to temptations or mistakes or bad judgments. They're susceptible to fail from time to time because they're just they're people like the rest of us. They're not perfect. Never has there been an elder or preacher in place since Adam and Eve has there been a perfect one. So we respect the position and we offer grace and encouragement, prayers and support. Because if these are godly leaders, when the mistakes happen and when the failures come around or when the bad judgments happen, there's a godly person who will know what to do and repent and get it back together, which is good leadership. So we respect the position of elder or preacher or whatever the leadership role is. It's not so much about the person, but the position. We honor the position that God has created, that God has assigned these leaders to. We hold them in high esteem and praise God for them. And we give God all the glory for the work that's done in their lives. The blessings over the years of leadership that they provide for the church that God called them to do. We give God the credit. We give him the glory. And we thank the men for their commitment and their diligence. We thank them for everything that God has done in their life. For being available to say, here am I. I will serve. And right now we're going to hit pause. Because I, I want to do something because I'm not going to preach it and not do it. And I would like for, for Frank Graham and Frank Harrison and Don Maney to just come up front real quick. It won't take long. Please come up here so we can properly thank you and praise God for your service. So if y'all just walk down here, please. If you notice, put that next slide up on the screen there when you get back in the booth, please. Uh, there's, some, there's some plaques up here, and you've seen the ones in the hallway uh, for the previous leaders, some of the previous leaders, and there's one for each of these men right here. And the, these are here. They're going to be added to our... Uh, what, what, what I, I guess we can call it the wall of faith. You know, <laughs> these, these men who have served the church well, God had called them to do it, and they've done great jobs over the I don't even know how many years y'all have been elders together. Lots of time serving this church, y'all. And I just thank you for that. I think the Lord is to be praised for the things that you guys have done for this church. Don't y'all agree with me? Let's give them a round of applause. Those are, those, that's a picture of, of these plaques so y'all can see them. And I'm going to have somebody hang them on the wall out there. I would like to pray with y'all before you go back and sit down. Is that all right? Let's pray together. Lord, we love you and we thank you for these men. We thank you for what you've done in their life. We thank you for how they've led the church and how they have uh, ministered to the people over the years. And their faithfulness, uh, hard times and good times, moving from one building to another, continuing to encourage and, and, and teach and, and, and help people grow in Christ. And, Lord, we just ask you to continue to bless them as they have uh, stepped out of their position as leaders and just now uh, move into the different things that they have to be responsible for in their own lives. And we just ask you to bless them. And we thank you for them, Lord, and help us, Lord, to all live lives that are uh, following in their footsteps, that we would be diligent and faithful servants just like all of these men. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for them. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Appreciate all of you. God bless you. All right, <laughs> that's the first time I pushed the pause button in the middle of a message. This, the good news is I got one more thing to say, and then I'll be done with it. So let's, let's go on to, uh, <laughs> let's finish this up.
and praise, continue to praise the Lord a little bit. If you, just, if you noticed in, uh, uh, I think it was chapter 13, verse 13. Nope, let me go back. Nope, let me go back again. We're not singing yet. Go back. There it is. There it is. 1 Thessalonians 5.13, if you notice, it says, uh, live in peace with one another. All right? Live in peace with one another. Hold that thought, and we're going to put that together with what it says in chapter 13, verse 17 of Hebrews, where it says, let them do this with joy, talking about their responsibilities and their calling and their work that they have agreed with God to do. Let them do this with joy and not grief. Okay? For this would be unprofitable for you. It, 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 a calling into leadership is to be a, a calling of joy. It should not always be a stressful thing for the leaders. They are answering the call because they love people and they love God. They're answering the call to leadership because they want to participate in that way so that the people will be blessed. That's what godly leaders do. Anybody who answers the call because they want to be in charge of stuff and they want to be looked at as somebody important, they're not a godly leader. In fact, they're probably disqualified for those reasons. But if they're answering the call to leadership because God called them and they really want to bless the people in whichever way God would lead them, then we should do everything we can do as a congregation to, do, to make that a joyful experience for them. Which means we should live at peace in unity with one another, as Jesus taught us to do. Jesus even went to the Father in prayer and said, Hey, Lord, Father, let them be united with each other and with me just like I am with you. That's the prayer of our Savior. And I can tell you from experience as a preacher, it is so much, there's so much joy in preaching and teaching and encouraging even visiting you all when you're sick and lifting you up when you're hurting, there's a lot of joy to be had in that. The frustration comes not from persecution from the world. There's even some joy to be found even in that if you listen to Paul's teaching. The frustration comes for leaders, elders, and preachers when the people in the church can't get along and we're constantly having to help them understand and trying to referee the problems within the church because somebody's not getting something. And it happens from time to time in every congregation. But there are churches around the world where the leaders and the preachers are all in misery and on the verge of quitting because the churches can never get along. And it's one complaint after the other. Everybody's against everybody, and everybody's against the leadership because whatever the problems are ultimately become the leadership's fault in those churches. And I, for one, praise the Lord that that, this is not one of those congregations. I have had more joy as your preacher in all of the rest of my ministry put together since I've been here. The short time I've been here has been the most joy I've spent in in ministry. I've had joy in other parts of the ministry since I've been preaching, but this is different. It's different here. 
It's different here because I believe that everybody in this church wants to make disciples. Everybody in this church wants the church to grow. They want people to get saved. They want to know God. We want to grow together. I really feel like everybody in this church wants God to have his way. And I find great joy in that. It makes me want to preach more. It makes me want to teach more. It makes me want to love y'all more. Just like our elders. All they want to do is what God has called them to do. No elder wants to have to correct or rebuke all the time. Really, no elder wants to ever have to do that. It's not a pleasant thing. It's not a pleasant thing to be corrected or rebuked, but it certainly isn't a pleasant thing to be the one who has to go and correct a problem that doesn't honor God within the church, and that's the responsibility of the elders in the church. So that's why this is difficult, because it's saying, let them do this with joy. That's why, that's why at the beginning of your slides there, I put this is the, the responsibility of the congregation in leadership is to make it joyful for the leadership. Do your part to make it joyful. Make it what God intended it to be. And if you think about it, it should be easy, shouldn't it? Because all we have to do is love each other, and I think we want to do that, and love God. If we can do that, then everybody, including the leaders, all the way down to the behind-the-scenes people, even new visitors, would experience the joy of the Lord on a regular basis. And guess what happens when that atmosphere is created? People start wanting to be around us. And they want to know about these believers over at Oak Grove and why they're so joyful. Why is it so fun over there? Why is it so, such a pleasant atmosphere? Why do people want to be around? It, and because we have the Lord, y'all. And we are serving the Lord, even if we're persecuted, even if we have little problems here and there. We're a family. Families have issues. But we have God. And as long as he's having his way, we will all be able to allow each other to experience joy in all of our ways of service. Isn't it great how God has set it up for us? To, to, he set us up to succeed every time. So just pray for the leaders that we just had up here. I mean, spend some time and think about all the things, all the blessings that God has brought to this church through those men. And Think about the men before them and the men before them. Have you ever thought about it that way? If it wasn't for the old timers, I wouldn't even be saved. If they weren't faithful, if they weren't faithful in living the gospel and preaching the gospel, I may not have ever heard it. And how can I be saved if no one preaches it to me? So all these young people in the world, and if you're in here and you're a young person, which I know all of you are going, oh, that's me. And you're rejecting the old timers because we don't, our, our ways are antiquated. Well, we wouldn't be who we are without the old timers in our faith or any other part of the world. So I love singing hymns, the old timey music, because that's the way our forefathers worshiped God. I like the new stuff too. But I mean, I think singing hymns on a somewhat regular basis is actually honoring the ones who led us in our spiritual walk 
because we're worshiping like them. We, we're counting, we're considering their ways, and we're doing what they did. It's respect for what God is doing. But at the same time, there are new things that come along. We make transitions. We do things different sometimes. And that's okay as long as it's what the Lord is calling us to do. So basically, bottom line, leaders and elders, uh, the leaders of the church, the elders and the preachers, we'll give an account to God, not just for ourselves, but how we handled our responsibility toward the congregation and their spiritual lives. We will answer to the Lord for that. So keep that in mind as you uh, interact with leaders of the church, as you consider what's going on and what your role is in the church. How can you help a leader instead of tear down a leader? How can you, how can you build up a leader instead of come against a leader? They've been given a great responsibility to shepherd God's people. And we are called, the, the congregation is called to make the leader's job as easy and joyful as possible. Right? When, if, you, if you've ever enjoyed uh, one of the leaders of the church spending time with you and praying w- with you in a time that you really needed it, then uh, I would continue to encourage those leaders because they're going to come around and do it more and more often. They'll be around when you don't need them because they like your company. And they like to be, we like to be encouraged too, y'all. <laughs> I mean, ask, ask any of these three guys, they'll tell you. Every now and then, encouraging words are helpful to them. So that's your role. That's the role of the congregation. All so that we can go into the world and preach the gospel. Say what Jesus said. Say what Paul said. Say what Peter said. Say what the, all of the ones before us said. Jesus is real. The gospel is real. If you don't believe in Jesus, you got problems. Because Jesus is the Christ. And the gospel says if you just believe in him, if you just believe he's the Christ, if you believe this word, you can be saved from the, your sins because the consequences of sin is death. Se- total separation from God. We're trying to make disciples. We're trying to get people saved here. We're trying to present such a witness that it would... Cause people to come and at least come and see what the commotion is all about. And it takes godly leaders and it takes a godly congregation to work as a team. A team that God put together. I love you and the Lord loves you. If you haven't made a decision for Christ, if you haven't been saved, all you have to do is receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Confess, repent, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and the Spirit of God will come into your life and you'll be part of the family. So let's stand together and sing. If you have a decision to make, now would be the time to do it.